This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, Episode 42. This is Writing Excuses, the convention author relationship. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And we have special guest star, Deirdre Searsha Moen. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You run conventions. I do. I've run programming for several conventions. My first volunteering was in a convention for 19, in 1977 before Star Wars came out. I was Mark Hamill's personal guide. Ooh. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Excellent. And we are going to talk about, Mary actually pitched this concept to us. Um, so why don't you talk about what we're going to be doing here. So one of the, th- the questions that a lot of people have, especially new authors, is um, how do I get on panels? And how, what do I do once I get on a panel? And, and, and I think that a lot of people and don't understand quite what the relationship is between an author and the convention, since the convention is for fans, but the author is there as a professional. Mm-hmm. So I was I, one of the things that I thought that I would start about uh, talking with is so what are some of the programming considerations that you have to, to think about? Because I think if people understand the balance that goes on behind the scenes, they might have a better idea of where they fit yeah, into if it. If we know what you're trying to build, then... Exactly. So one of the things that's a chronic source of tension between the author, the author's needs and the convention's needs, the convention wants to offer an interesting set of discussions, that they're conversations arranged around a topic. The author wants to sell more books. (laughs) These are not necessarily compatible goals. And so I was just told this morning that the only reason authors come to conventions is to sell more books. And I thought, wow, you've entirely missed the point. I didn't start writing until I'd been going to conventions for 10 years. Um, Yeah, I would say that that definitely is not the only reason to attend conventions at all. Yeah. yeah, but that's that. That reminds me, you know, of the the old Asimov story that Dave told us. You remember this? Mm-hmm. That um, that there was a brand new author who just gotten published, and he went to the convention, and he was all kind of high and mighty. And they asked him to get, you know, if he could, you know, help them out with the fanzine. And he said, "No, I'm I'm a published author now." And at that moment, Isaac Asimov's head poked out of the room and said, "Do we have any more page fifty four? Because he was doing the stapling. Yes, that's great. <laughs> And, and that's it, really. So, so the thing is, what programming would actually like to know is, how are you interesting? I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. We have, at this convention, we have a Japanese-American young adult author. We have a guy who speaks fluent Japanese. We have somebody who studied sword making in Japan. And we have a woman who's a costumer who's passionate about kimonos. You can make a panel out of that. Right. Just put them all in the same room and give exactly. them microphones. Just kind of aim them at the top of the <laughs> but, but the point is, is that the more we know about you mm-hmm. the, and the more interesting little bits you have, and it doesn't matter if they're related to science fiction or not. I've done panels on antique motorbikes. Because if you can get three or four people interested in talking about antique motorbikes and you can get a few people in the room, it's still a great conversation. I was on a panel with uh, Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, uh, Eric Raymond, who's a luminary in the Linux community, where the three of us were sitting in the middle of the room talking about chili sauce. 
Yes. <laughs> and that was the, the, I mean, we talked about other things too, but I mean, it was a fun discussion. We had a great time. It was entertaining for the, uh, for the crowd. And that was one of the moments where I realized that if I, as an author, and especially as a, uh, as a self-pub small press author, if I want to sell small, or sell small, if I want to sell books, one of the best ways I can do that is by being interesting and entertaining so people will remember my name as part of my brand and maybe someday they'll see my name and make a purchase. Right. So yeah. what we're looking for is how can we combine things and offer something that's unique and, and interesting, which right. isn't necessarily the standard topics that you might think to speak on or to think to volunteer. Now, I think I should make a point here of mentioning that there are different types of conventions out there. True. And when we talk about cons, we are talking usually about the literary cons, which are in the traditional science fiction fantasy tradition, fan run, Mm -hmm. um, community um, involvement, and it's a, a community of fan-run conventions. Now, there is another type of convention that's very big, the Comic-Con style. Um, we call them media cons. Um, and those are a very different type beast. We're not talking about those here. We are talking about the, the fan-run, fan-organized um, literary conventions. And we just make that distinction because the, the Comic-Cons are generally uh, often for-profit, and if, even if they aren't, they are run in a very different way. Um, walking in and saying, I want to be on your panels, doesn't really work at one of those because usually it's publicist pitching for those, right. and those are only about sales usually. Right. These are not. These are about a community that is helping each other. Um, and a lot of us, as we talked about with Chris Garcia, came up through the ranks of this, were part mm -hmm. of this be long before we became professionals in our field. Well, and for, for me, and I, I actually had to learn this as, as I started doing conventions as an author rather than as a fan, I kind of had, at the beginning, this sense of now I've crossed sides to, to be a professional, and, and, and that's the wrong way of looking at it. You know, you, you think of this, like you said, as a community, it's a conversation, and if you see a bunch of people in the hall having a conversation and you walk up to them and say, would you like to buy my book? I have many shirts in the dealer's room. You know, that kind of stuff. No one wants to talk to that guy. Whereas if they're having a conversation and you don't, you join it and you say, you know, I love Battlestar Galactica too. Colonel Ty is my favorite character. Let's talk about him for a while. Then you're part of the community rather than yeah. above it or to the side of it. And that's what, you know, that's what the con is for, is to be a part of that conversation instead of the jerk trying to get people to buy shirts. And to that end, when you are on a panel, putting all your um, books in front of you, like you're building fortifications against the audience, <laughs> don't, don't, don't go to that extreme. You know, there are different people who feel differently. If you ever go speak in the UK, they consider it very tacky for you to put a book up. You know, you can show it at the beginning, but, um, but just be discreet and, and try not to insulate yourself against your audience that much. Yeah, let's um let's talk about what to do if we are on a on a panel. Let's say you've con you've done this, you've con contacted the programming and they have put you on the panel. How do you what do you do? Well, you, yeah. If hopefully it's something that you know something about and if it's <laughs> not don't ever say I don't know why I'm on this panel. Um, <laughs> because that will get back to programming and then they'll say, well, you know, you failed at Entertainment 101. I, I, I'm going to say, that, I'm going to pull out one thing that she just said. That will get back to programming. One of the things to remember is that this is a very small community mm -hmm. and that they will talk to each other and that someone who's running programming on one convention is likely to be involved with it on another. So if you go on and you are really good, 
they will remember and start to use you for other things. And if you are an awful person, they will also remember that. As an example, somebody bailed on a convention at the last minute due to just having a, a tiff. This was not a writer, by the way, due to having a tiff with programming. And then the next pro convention I was running programming on, um, somebody wanted to use this person for more panels. And I said, no, they bailed on the last one. Guess what? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I didn't want to leave any more holes. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to over schedule them. I said, give them one thing. And they bailed on that convention too. One of the things that I've found uh, super helpful when I'm when I'm on a panel is that, and it's a, it's a conversation skill. When you are having a conversation, and I remember having conversations like this when I was younger and far less intelligent, um, the whole goal of the conversation was me to say something for, for me to say something clever. And so while everybody else is talking, all I'm doing is trying to think of the next thing I'm going to say. I'm not participating at that point. I'm not really listening. I'm just kind of hearing. I'm sorry, did you say something? Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they, yeah, and uh, so the, the conversational skill of listening mm. is critical. And what I found in part by doing so much writing excuses, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of hours of, uh, of trying, to be, trying to be pithy and on topic is that when you listen and you hear something that engages with something you have expertise on, the thing that you should say next will probably come to you, and you can be a part of the discussion in that way. And I find that when that happens, it's an organic discussion. We can enjoy it. Right. If you're prone to stage fright, you might want to jot down two or three things ahead of time to kind of remind you. Um, it's never a bad idea, just in case you have those moments up on stage, and everybody does at some point. Even if you're not prone to stage fright, those of you who are not watching the video feed can't see that um, I, I take notes during every podcast uh, so that I remember the next thing. And I, I have a small pad of paper when I'm on panels that I just jot down notes, Like, although sometimes I look at them and have no idea. Oh, diversify your income stream. I know what that was about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's stop for our book of the week. Um, Deirdre, you were going to pitch a book to us. A uh, book I just read was Tiffany Rice's The Saint. Uh, it's a new book. It's the fifth book in her, it's the first book of a prequel series to the four books she previously had out. Mm -hmm. All five are on Audible. Um, her last name's R-E-I-S-Z. And it's an erotica series, but this is being a prequel. It covers from her age 15 to 20, and Grand Theft Auto is not usually what you expect to read in an erotica book. Okay. But, Does it come with a content warning? Uh, it, it, it has all the content warnings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, content warning, this, this one's explicit. Uh, mm -hmm. Tiffany Rice, R-E-I-S-Z. -S uh, Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start a free trial membership and uh, give the saint a listen. One, One of the things that I um, have noticed on panels, or when I've been a fan, um, and I went to conventions for years with Dan and with some um, with Peter and some friends, and we would go to this panel. We'd get really excited about the panel. We'd see it in the program. We're like, "This is exactly what we wanted to hear about." We would sit down, and then the panel would spend about ten seconds on that, and then would veer toward a completely different hobby horse topic of one of the panelists. And often there would be this one panelist dominating the whole conversation, spin spinning it off toward a weird. Um, hobby horse, and we would leave those panels just sad and feeling like we'd wasted an hour of our time. 
There's a few things that programming has to know. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, a lot of the people that we schedule, unless we're doing the same convention year after year, we're scheduling a lot of people we do not know mm -hmm. very well. So we have to make guesses right. about who, who they are and what they will or won't do. The second thing is that those panels do tend to veer off more if you ask yes, no questions in the subject line, um, ah, you know, or if right. you ask easily answerable ah. questions. So the subject and the description have to be written to lead to a mm -hmm. conversation. See, I wasn't blaming programming. I'm talking to our listeners who are writers, saying don't do that. Yeah, um, I moderated a panel last mm -hmm. night on comics. Right. That was the title of the panel, Yeah, comics. And we had some great artists up there, and I knew that we could just end up in the weeds somewhere. And so right. what I led with was, um, how do you, as a cartoonist, as a, as a sequential artist, how do you use the point of view of the camera to change the mood of the scene you're creating? What's in your toolbox? And the guy at the end, uh, Jess smart Miley, looked at me and was like, Oh my gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we spent the whole panel digging deep into the comics toolbox of what it means to create sequential art. And I did that because I've been on some of these panels that Brandon mm -hmm. talks about. Right. I don't want, I want to, I want to drill down. I want to learn things. Yeah. 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 Well, the when, other, yeah, the other thing that will happen on those where you have someone with the hobby horse is that you, those are often cases where the moderator is failing to notice that mm -hmm. someone is not talking. And, and if you are on a panel and not the moderator and you notice that someone is not talking, often it's helpful to turn to them and ask if they have anything to share. Like, Dan, do you have any tricks for sharing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um, I, but now, now that we've broached the topic of moderating in general, though, um, I think that that is another really good direction to take this conversation, is not just how do you be on a panel, but if you are the moderator of a panel, Deirdre, what, you know, what is your job and how do you do it? Your job is to kind of contain the subject to what is expected, but also to try to make sure that everybody gets to be able to speak. Because some people will need a strong moderator because they do tend to talk over other people. And hopefully programming knows who to put as a moderator and who not. And the, again, somebody who was a good moderator last year may not be a good moderator this year because people are human. You know? Yeah, I would say on keeping on topic and keeping a discussion going rather than dominated by one or two people is right. an important part of a moderator. One of the things I like to do when I'm moderating is ask a question to the panel and then you know, start at one end and go down, but then when I ask the next question, start with a different person right. and go. So then also, not every time is the is one person getting the chance to go first and someone else having to sit and wait. Um, and that, that can be really good. Sitting and waiting what everyone says and having the last word can be good. Or it can be like, wow, they've already talk, covered this topic completely. All I get to say is, yeah, um, they said it. And so rotating who's speaking um, and managing that is, is very useful as a moderator, I think. I yes. love throwing mm -hmm. questions directly at some of the panelists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if I've got time to do my homework before a panel, uh, one of my favorite things to do is sit down with the panelists beforehand for just a couple of minutes and say, okay, this is our topic. What is your favorite thing to talk about here? And what is, you know, what's your position? And I'll make some notes. And then they introduce themselves. And then when somebody says a thing, I can respond to the thing by saying, oh, that's very interesting, but, you know, John, what, what do you think about this? Because, you know, of this thing you just said. 
and it, it starts driving the discussion into areas where people are interested and passionate. Yeah, and one of the other things, getting back to earlier, getting onto panels at all, having a website, showing what you're interested and passionate about. As I've said, the sum of what you care about is unique in the world. And, mm. and how you care about that and how you express what you care about. Um, and I use websites. I will go look you up. Do you have a website? Do you have your own domain? That's actually a really big one. Uh, do you have an about page? Even if you're not published, it, you don't have to be published to be on a writing panel. I was, I was on Worldcon before I'd been published in science fiction. Um, so just be aware that you don't have to have everything, but you should be able to get a sense of who you are from your website. And a lot of people control themselves too tightly, I think. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that the pieces of advice that I got early on for, for getting on panels was to volunteer for the early and late night ones because yes. none of the pros want to do those. Right. And, um, and also volunteer to moderate because no one wants to moderate either. Really? I love moderating. I, yeah, I do well, too. Yeah. Oh, see, and I, love, I love moderating. One of my least favorite things to do is to be on a panel where I'm not the moderator and I can tell that the moderator is kind of asleep at the wheel because I do not want to be the guy who hijacks the panel and takes over the moderation, but I'll totally do that if you're asleep at the wheel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Early morning, especially Sunday morning, is really good if you're willing to do that. And the I'm sorry, I forgot the other thing I was going to say. Uh, it was about moderating. Uh, no. It's okay. Dan oh, forgets things all get, the time. Ways, all to, get the on, ways time. to get on panels, I guess. Um, don't, don't ask to be on with the guests of honor. That's hmm. a red flag. Interesting. Unless right. you know them personally. Well, we are out of time. Mary, you're going to give us a writing prompt. Yes. Uh, your writing prompt is to write your bio or rewrite it. And I want you to actually write it in four lengths. So what you're going to do is you're creating a press kit for your page. So you've got one at 25 words, 50 words, 100 words, and then long form, which is 400 to 500 words. These are things, the links that panels uh, and, or programmers will look for. Nice links to slot into program books, to go on your Twitter website, whatever, um, and try to make sure that you include something about yourself that is not your writing to make yourself interesting. Include this some of your interests. is actually a thing I still need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. This has been Ryan Excuses. Howard's out of excuses. Now go write. But also go on a cruise with us. What follows is the exact same post that we put up last week talking about the cruise. We just wanted to make sure that you all had heard it. So, going into this, an advertisement for the Writing Excuses Retreat 2015, We're on a Boat. We here at Writing Excuses are super excited. It is time to begin registration for the 2015 Out of Excuses Workshop and Retreat. And we have some really exciting news associated with that. We're able to keep the price the same just $1,200 as the entry price for the event. Also, this year, it's going to be on a cruise ship. That's right. So you're probably going, but why? Why a cruise ship? For the first two years, the Out of Excuses workshop and retreat was held at my parents' house, which is great. The problem is we had two problems. One is that we had to cap attendance at 24 people. 
even though we knew that we could teach more and we could spend time with more people, the location just wouldn't accommodate more. Right, and it was selling out in like 15 seconds. seconds or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was less than a minute. And it was causing a lot of people stress. So we wanted to find a way that we didn't have to cap attendance. And the other issue was that my parents' house was built by my grandfather, and it's really not handicap accessible. And so we wanted to have something that everybody could come to. And at the same time, have a place that we could actually spend time with you, that we wouldn't. And so we, I've been going on these cruises with uh, the steampunk cruise, and it's been fantastic. And it's been a great way to spend time with people and I and bond. And so I thought, let's try us on a cruise ship. <laughs> it really is a great model. We were so excited when we figured out this. Because not only are you essentially getting, for the exact same price, a free cruise, you are also going to get way more of our time. Right. Because there is a cruise ship staff, the podcasters, we won't have to be cooking the meals. We won't have to be cleaning things up. We won't have to be doing anything other than hanging. writing our books and hanging out with you guys. And putting so, on trousers. Well, we, there will be a certain element of pants Or swimsuits worn. because cruise ships. Because yeah. Caribbean cruise. Um, so, yes, we are going to have not only more classes, but more hangout time, more interaction time. It won't be the, the, you know, the small, intimate environment here in the house. But uh, we'll be able to have more of you, and we'll be able to spend more time with you. Yeah, we've thought a lot about how to make the cruise a really great experience. Uh, we ha we'll have a dedicated space that belongs to us on the cruise, in which we'll be holding our workshops, but also just hanging out um, and in writing or chatting or things like this. We will be eating dinner with you, and we'll be rotating the podcasters through your table so that you will be able to eat with each of us. We will be doing all kinds of special events. We're going to have ways that you can find and make sure you're hanging out with other people who are writers, so you can form writers groups or contacts with them if you want to. And again, we're going to be there with you the whole time. So if you've never been on a cruise before, don't feel worried about going on this cruise with people you have don't know. We're going to make sure that it is friendly and fun and that, they, that you'll be able to meet and get along with everybody. And actually, speaking of people you don't know, yes. you can also bring people you do know with you. One yes. of the other problems that a lot of people have when they're trying to schedule time for something like this is that it's time away from their family. Mm -hmm. And one of the beautiful things about this is that you'll actually be able to bring your family with you. Now, the class times are dedicated for our students. Yes. But if you want to bring your family along, we actually have a special family rate yes. that's gets them on the ship with you. They get to have all the meals. They get to go on excursions. They just don't get to come they in the classroom. They can see the musical. They can hang out in the pool. They Though, can do all of the... Except, yes. yes, that they don't get to come into the classroom with you, except if they are a child between the ages of 12 and 17, because we want to encourage young writers. So they will be able to come to the classes at no additional expense right. if they're there with you. Um, yeah. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. The best writing I have got done last year was when I went on a cruise with my family. Um, and it's just the sound of the ocean and the exotic places and the, the nice room and people bringing you food any time of the day, because I keep a weird schedule, <laughs> really handy for keeping me in the zone and keeping me writing. Yeah. And they're great at handling... Uh, allergies. Yes, and it's it's a it, it's going to well, be a lot. It of can fun. be handicap accessible. It can be gluten free. It can be celiac and allergen friendly. And and let's not forget again all of the great classes we've done mm -hmm. this for two years now. 
uh, the attendees from the past uh, two retreats really rave about the level of interaction, the level of instruction that they are getting. You know, this is this is not a a beginner's class. We 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 have the ability to teach beginners if we want, but then also to drill into some very high level writing stuff and and teach some really great things. And we are going to have we're not going to tell you who it is yet, but we're going to have at least one special writing guest with us as well to help teach those classes. Yes. And the other thing that we're planning on doing is that we are going to also make available to you some videos of homework assignments so that when you come on the ship, we're all starting from a similar vocabulary and we can just launch into some of this 201 and 301 material. Now, there is a little bit of a time constraint on this because while you can register for the cruise right up to the moment that we leave, if you want to, the prices go up the longer we wait. And that is not us. That yes. is the way the cruise ship is worked. Beyond that, we're going to be offering breakout sessions. Now, depending on how large this gets, we may not be able to do breakouts with everyone, so we're going to run a lottery for it. And what you do is you, if you, the first 100 people that register, or we're going to set a cap at it at January 15th, I yep. believe. So as long as you register before then, or are in the one of the, the first hundred, depending on, we'll, we'll give Which, updates. Whichever comes yeah. first. If the trajectory of a hundred is really fast, we'll give you a warning. Um, you put your name in for a lottery to get a breakout session, which is basically a one-on-one -on -one time with one of us. Um, or, or a, sm a small group workshop where we read your fiction and talk to you about it. But bear in mind that that one-on-one -on -one time is something that would be scheduled and structured. Yes. That does not mean that you are, you know, if you don't get the lottery, you're somehow not going to run into us in the dining room because, as has already been described, we're going to be accessible. <laughs> we're going to be spending time with you guys. Yeah, yeah. That's so, why we come. Yeah. And, and then there's also things like, you know, when we go to Jamaica, I, there's a place <laughs> that I'm planning. There's a plantation that I'm planning on going and having tea at mm. that is up on the top of a mountain. And it's gorgeous. And I want you to come with me. I'm trying to understand why we're spending so much time trying to convince them that a cruise is awesome. <laughs> Well, a lot of people are afraid of cruises. Like, before I went on a cruise, my impression of it was largely built on having watched episodes of The Love Boat, which is That's not... That's not what it's like? Wait, no! What? <laughs> no! It's like being in a high-end hotel resort, and every day you have a different Caribbean island outside of your front door. And okay. every day when you come home at night, you then have instruction in classes with us. Yes. Yeah. So let's recap this. This is the same retreat that has sold out in seconds the past two years for the same price, but with extra classes, with a guest instructor, with a free cruise through the Caribbean, and more time with, uh, with us, the, the teachers and the podcasters. It's really, there's, there's no downsides to this. It's so, sunburn. Awesome. Sunburn. Sunburn. Yeah. Okay, so you'll, you'll need more sunscreen. So, <laughs> you can register for this right now on our website. You can go, and it is live as of this posting. Writingexcuses.com. We're on a boat. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. 
They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 